0: The Radical Up podcast is produced in partnership with AmericanFirearms.org. American Firearms' mission is to recommend what works. We believe everyone deserves access to unbiased, helpful information about firearms. And our buying guides, product reviews, and learning resources are designed to help real people find the stuff that will work best for them. Check us out at www.AmericanFirearms.org. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Reddit Club podcast. I'm sitting down here with Gabby Franco. She's an Olympian, a competitive shooter, and a huge Second Amendment advocate. So Gabby, I'm so excited for you to join on the podcast. Thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you, Kenzie. I'm excited to talk to you again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this will be a blast. And I saw for those uh, listening now too, that you've done a couple other podcasts as well. Do you want to talk about any of those episodes that you've got out?
1: Yeah, most of them have been part of Second Amendment. I mean, there's a lot of going on not only you know sometimes like here i'm now in texas and everybody everybody's like oh i live in texas the free state you know and but at the end of the day when you realize we are just a whole country with a lot of attacks in the second amendment michigan obviously new york california but then you have other states and you're like oh my goodness you know they keep attacking and stuff so we've been talking i've been talking a lot about the second amendment why it's so important To people, how can I say this? It's more like, um, it's not easy to be out there. You know what I mean? And be in the public eye. Like I am, here you are, we talk about these things and we get as good and positive feedback, we get nasty, nasty ones. And you know, you you have to develop that thick skin (laughs) to deal with that. And luckily for me, I'm like, I know how to handle it. But at the same time, uh, that creates, Makes people sometimes to, you know, step back, um, and I think that's not necessarily the approach. I, I think the ideal is to find what are you good at.
0: Yeah.
1: Whether it is talking to your neighbors, to your family, in a very friendly way, uh, trying to embrace them towards you instead of being so blunt in the idea that you they immediately reject you. Um, so that's kind of my has been my message. Um, And part of it is that one of the things that frustrates me the most for both sides of the aisle is that we go into this idea of that we're going to go to war. You know, everything is like a war. Everything is like a battle. And I have seen that like in Venezuela, how people went so, you know, like this, so disruptive in their conversations that did not, didn't create anything. Right. You know, didn't create anything good. Uh, And and in fact, just destroys and erodes even more the society. And so that's the part I'm like, well, we need to find a different way of doing things.
0: Yeah. I don't know if this um, maybe surprises you, but there are, you know, Americans that have less of a voice than you do as someone that came from Venezuela. And I feel like this is the regard when it comes to maybe like carrying a gun every day or just getting into firearms. It's like, why does it take something happening for us to want to go get trained for us to want to pick up and carry a gun, right? Like someone that we know close to us or ourselves, you know, has an incident where it's like, now we need to protect ourselves. And I feel like you like see what happened in Venezuela Mm -hmm. or, or have seen that. And for you, it's so passionate, whereas Americans, we do take it for granted. 100% there are people out there that take it for granted. And I will speak to the masses on that. Right? <laughs> so, why, why do you think like, sometimes that's the case? Or how can people be more proactive in protecting what they already have? Because they don't know right. what, what could be taken away.
1: Well, I think part of it is human behavior. Okay, how many? How often our parents say, "Don't do this," because this happened to me, mm-hmm. and you shouldn't follow that path. And what the kids do, and not even even kids, even adults. Okay, even as adults, we go through that path, and then when it happened to us, we're like, "Oh, you were right, right?" Mm-hmm. So I think it's part partly human behavior. Um, Venezuelans were the same way. <laughs> That's why the reason we, we, you know, Venezuela is the way it is is because many people didn't listen to P- Cubans like i have human friends who warned a lot of people in the at the gun range and people were so dismissive like cuba is an island it's just a tiny thing venezuela with the largest oil reserve in the world we that's something like that would never happen to us now <laughs> magnify that to the united states right they say oh venezuela oh please, that little country that's nothing compared to us. And, and and the problem is that people think that we're comparing, but there's no comparison absolutely in anything. Going back to the previous analogy with your parents, their experience or in your experience will never be exactly the same. But there are enough similarities mm-hmm. that you would say, I wish I, was, I would have listened to my parents. I wish I would have listened to this person. So the same thing happens here. The problem is that people think it's Think of it as an equal to equal thing. And no, it's just when you see the signs, right? You say it's very close, very similar, That you wouldn't have to be um, aware of. And, you know, like I'm saying, it's just how many things you are not paying attention right. because it's not really close. It doesn't, you know, hit you close, doesn't hit close to you. And most of the time, we dismiss that, that kind of uh, activities or behaviors until. You find yourself in that conundrum, which is, do I, let's say, I don't like guns, but my neighborhood is getting full of crime. What, what do I do? Right now, do I have to, Now I, I, know I have to write. I learned because so many people who don't even know what is truly the Second Amendment, and I think that's part of one of the part of the problem is lack of education in that aspect.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and I know you've spoken. to to the public before as well, you know, where are some of these places? Like if someone feels strongly and wants to speak up, you know, we've talked on this podcast before in the past about emailing your representatives. You know, I know social media is probably a hit or miss on on putting anything on social media. That's just, it doesn't move the needle, right? But what are some more impactful ways that people maybe can get involved or some organizations that are doing that work?
1: Well, definitely supporting organizations that you know that it has to be something organization that you see they're they're trustworthy Mm -hmm. Uh, they are reputable and that you can support them but also comes in the house and I'm gonna say house is your home but in your your community so to give you an example I gave a speech in Michigan and after my speech a lady came up to me and she come up said Gabby I need your help I'm like sure how can I help you and she's like I have this lady she is uh the like the chapter leader or something of mom's demand action for those of for those of you listening or watching mom's demand action are a very huge advocates for gun control and all these ideas and so she was telling me i need her to understand i need i want her to understand i don't get to uh, make her see my point of view and she's you know, talking to me and how she can make this woman come to our side. And I'm just looking at her, so passionate. And I said, listen, you have so much energy and you're wasting it, trying to convince one person. Instead, instead, what you can do, and I gave her this ideas. I said, instead what you can do, you can be part of, uh, benefit your community by bringing, for instance, offering seminars for um, how to um, teach children, you know, parents how to deal with having firearms when you have children, right? Educate the parents how to keep their guns safe. Um, Do seminars about, because I say seminars because you can bring more people than just a shooting class. Um, Educate more people about the safety, about the law part, you know, doing that. And while you're doing there, you are. Focusing your energy on education, spreading out the word, They are, the vast majority of the people that you are reaching out, they're, they're going to be like, okay, I'm learning, I'm understanding, I'm being educated. And th- there's going to be a point where they will reject the other side's point of view without you even. And maybe that other person would eventually say, you know what, after hearing and talking to my peers, yeah, you know, I understand now why. You know, having been educated about firearms, the, the second what the Second Amendment is so important, and so the problem is that sometimes we people butt head against that person that is so against us, instead of using that energy to widespread the the information uh, towards others. And at the end of the day, it's kind it's of the same energy, but it ha- it will have better results. And she was yeah. like. Yes, I can do that.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. No, I agree. Um I've met a lot of people in the middle with like firearms like I even in grad school. It was great experience because for grad school we had people from uh London, South Korea, I'll show you, we had a lot of people, you know, come over and I was blessed that I'm from America, right? So we went to the range one time and all I did was teach them firearm safety, firearm basics, let them shoot a little bit. Puerto Rico, that was another one as well. Um, And there was one person that came up after and she said, thanks for teaching me. I still have zero interest in firearms, but now I know how to handle one. You know, like I feel a little bit better by being exposed to it. You know, I see why you enjoy it and like it. But the fact that she even met me and was willing to try and like learn and still was, you know. Like oh, I don't want a fire myself. That's okay. That's your choice. Like I was just excited that she actually was open to learning. You know what I mean? And just being there that that's a huge step. So,
1: and I think and I think that for instance, what you did there, it it will touch her life in ways that you will never know. Yeah, you know, because at the end in the future. She may be a gun owner, most likely. But at the end, I also tell people, you know, even as we shoot and we, you know, have fun and all that stuff with firearms and go to the range competing and all that stuff, uh, understanding that it may not be like with that lady you were mentioning, um, firearms is not for everybody. Like motorcycles are not for everybody. Like so many things are not for everybody. So I think the problem is that sometimes, you know, most of us are so passionate they were like, yes, you have to try. Yes, you have to do it. I'm like, yes, that's important. I think most important teaching people why the right is important to keep it, whether you like it or not. Yep. <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> exactly. So, I, I mean, I love that um, all of that passion comes across. And I'm glad that you're a voice, a very strong voice in the 2A community. I hope more people can get involved. I think it's really important. I think, too, just female perspective of all of this because I do teach a lot of women and it is a great equalizer tool you know having a firearm I just feel that much more safe even though I never really feel safe right, right. Like, I have a tool that at least like if some huge dude comes at me or female you never know like these people that are that are out there or even animals so there's there's a lot of reasons to carry gun that we could go into but just knowing that you have this this equalizer right. tool with you is really important
1: and I want to say something. You know, you know me in person. I'm very real. I mean, I will say my flaws as much as I will talk about my successes and my my strengths. But um, they are important for people. Like when I started talking about that, it's it's difficult to sometimes to be in, in that in this position, uh, speaking out. And I recognize there are people who do a lot more than I do. I also recognize for instance there are certain things that I'm still hesitant on doing like testifying. I still it shakes every part of my body when they tell me, Okay, Gabby, we're considering you for testifying and I still don't think I'm ready and I think it's okay. Meaning what what I want to convey everybody who's watching and listening is that it's okay if you don't feel ready to do something, speaking out in front of people or, you know, doing something that's completely out of your comfort zone, but don't just keep your mouth sh- completely shut and don't express yourself. There are different ways that we can do it, whether writing letters to senators, writing uh, to the um, city, you know, councils or whatever. Um, so there are different ways that we can participate. You just have to find yours. And I think that's the, that's very important. Also, no, you know what I mean?
0: Yep, absolutely. Yep, my my <laughs> world is definitely not that. Speaking up as much as educating. <laughs> I love educating. That's like my lane. So you know, putting on my inter- women's event. Yeah, it's like I just want people to come out and shoot and be competent and not forceful. Oh. But I do try to get everyone to uh, shoot a shotgun. And get <laughs> <to get them laughs> but I'm yeah. like, like it's possible to, <laughs> to handle these guns. They're so fun. And and that's the other thing I want to go into is the fun aspect of it too. Is that it's okay, you know, to say firearms are fun to shoot, right? Like, yes, they right. are very powerful, but. What we do on the weekends, people look at and are like, holy cow, I can never do that. But we all started somewhere. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I want to take you back to what was your very first shooting competition? Do you remember that? Oh, my God. I don't.
1: (laughs) I probably don't. Um, I mean. Blocked it from your memory. Hey, we're talking 20 plus years ago. Okay. (laughs) So it's a long, long, long time ago. Uh, But I do remember. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah, now you put him in a hot spot here because I don't, <laughs> but, um, you know, I do, I do remember though, uh, the, the first competition who, that was very, um, not meaningful, but that changed literally my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that competition, I, I didn't win gold medal. I think I won in a third place. It was a national competition in Venezuela and it was one of my first major matches in Venezuela and air pistol, is to shoot air pistol. And happened to be that was they were selecting the national team. And so I got a uh, third place and the Venezuelan shooting federation was hesitant on um, keeping me because I was 16, I was very young, and it was to go to uh the Bolivarian games in Peru in 1997. Cool. <laughs> and yes. And so it was very interesting because everybody, you know, who supported me—the the president of the of the shooting feather association in my city, my parents, my coach, and everybody—were so supportive. Like, no, you have to take her. You have to take her. And, and mind it. In mind, I was just a girl. I've never traveled in airplane. It was going to be my first, you know, uh, trip in an airplane. I mean, going overseas. Um and at that moment, I just realized, wow, this is awesome. And i gonna tell you why it was awesome. Because when I turned 15, uh, you know, mostly in 15, but in South America, we have the quinceaneras, right? Yes. And so my parents asked me, do you, do you want us to send you into a tour to Disney World or do you want your 15th uh, birthday party? You're like the bumps and the big party and uh and even my coach remembers this when I told my parents I said no I want my 15 my quinceañera party because I will travel with shooting I will eventually travel with shooting and exactly a year later when I was 16 I got to go to Peru my first international competition and shooting so yes it was it was I uh, said so that was very memorable for me because it was like okay I said it and it happened yeah. but um it it was very surreal for me at such a young age seeing how such a sport that it's not it was not it's not a mainstream sport it's something that you don't see especially pistol. Yeah. and yet it could be so powerful to 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 teach you how to be so disciplined responsible uh mind focused like very goal oriented. I mean I can keep on going on <laughs> things that <laughs> that I got from Olympic shooting. But at such a young age, um, it was wonderful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I think that shooting sports and any sports, I mean, if you are truly dedicated and you have a dream or a goal, like it does teach kids to be very responsible and it teaches them lessons outside of again shooting, right? It's like camaraderie, being a good teammate. Um, uh, being a good I guess enemy right if you're shooting against yeah. you don't like how do you have that good sportsmanship so I think there's a lot that I mean I grew up in sports but not shooting and taught me a lot um so right your, your Olympic journey too because I've never shot any air guns or anything like that mm-hmm. um you know after you shot Peru and everything what were you kind of feeling at that time and then how did you keep going to try to do more
1: I guess and in that point I was I'm not gonna say the word addicted but I was just like it was surreal for me going like I'm saying that was my first ever traveling from my city to Caracas and then Caracas to go overseas uh and then and that match I won a silver medal that was my first trip and my first uh international medal and it, I came back home feeling like I really like this mm-hmm. I really like the the competition. I really want to keep p- being part of the national team and travel the world. At uh, mm-hmm. such a young age, um, I was fascinated by it, and and you know, and trying to grow too, trying to be better. Um, and that's basically what made me fall in love with the shooting sports was that air p- or at least air pistol. That it was so simple. I mean, the target doesn't move, the shooter doesn't move. We shoot <laughs> off hand like this. I mean. <laughs> Talk about how difficult could that be, right? And then it turns out that it's one of one of the very very challenging disciplines um, in Olympic shooting. I mean, I think they are all very challenging. They but, are. <laughs> <laughs> They're so I guess hard I'm about it. I, I guess I'm biased because I was a pistol shooter, but um, okay. uh, but but again, it was just that thing of oh, I'm gonna keep on training. I'm gonna keep on training. I'm gonna trying to do it better. So yeah, it, it's just. Fascinated. i never imagined going to the olympic games um i always thought olympic games were for super athletes like super humans right you know i was just a teenager um but it just it just happened and after i won a a medal at the pan-american games i won a silver medal and and the funny thing is that that time i you know that peru competition I got silver medal. I got silver medal medal at the South American games, silver medal at the Central American Games. And then I won again that silver medal at the Pan American Games. And when that got that medal at the Pan American Games, that was Canada nineteen ninety nine, I was so kind of disappointed. I'm like, wow, when is that goal gonna come? You know, there's a point when you don't see sometimes they're good because you're so focused on something else and you're like this, right? And then after, you know, I knew I got the second place, my coach, everybody was like, You did it, you did it. And I'm like, Yeah, I know. Silver so again. And they they were like, Gabby, no. Gold and silver are plasma to go to the Olympic games.
0: That's awesome.
1: That's when I learned that Emotions are subjective, and you can switch from being super sad to super happy in fractions of a second. (laughs) Literally, literally. I went from frustrated to I wanted to eat the whole world like I was in cloud nine. That's
0: amazing. (laughs) I mean, that's So everyone's celebrating, and you're like, oh, I should be happy. Yeah,
1: right, right. (laughs)
0: but you qualified. So, you know, qualification after that, um, did you turn up your like training or anything or like freak out or like, when did it finally hit you that you were going to the Olympics?
1: When I was at the Olympics. It's not, It's yes. It's not like, uh, how can I say this? It's not like I didn't believe it. It's just, unfortunately, like many things in life, politics takes place in in sports too as you as you may know uh, politics and so i did have a very strong you know fighters behind me uh, because there were another male shooter mm-hmm. whose fa- the father wanted his son to be and they it was a whole battle trying to take my spot and all that stuff so i am not going to go into all that i don't focus on all that stuff there but um yeah it 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 just ha- Always kept me, Olympic shooting in so many different aspects of my experiences in Venezuela, and my parents too, thankful my parents, always kept me grounded. Yeah. Always kept me believing that no matter how many medals I won, no matter how many awards or positions or, or whatever name you want to call it, Olympian, medalist, whatever, I was still me, a human, a vulnerable human who could be injured a week before the olympic games um so i'm i was making me uh humble enough that you're not a superhuman that you also you can fall you can be sad you can be frustrated you can have depression you can but at the same time you can be strong you can be happy you can be uh positive so uh always keeping the balance is what always kept me going but keeping in mind that until i was there yeah i was I wasn't there. You know what I mean? Like anything could happen before, before that.
0: I think a lot of athletes go through that. Yeah. Especially with like injury or just, or travel or sickness, or you don't even know. Yeah. What could happen. Um, Yeah. That's really cool though. So you you get there. uh, And how did that go? What was that experience like for people that are, you know, people listening to this podcast, they're probably (laughs) never going to go. Right. Like, (laughs) what does that look like?
1: It was surreal. You know, just going there, having your credential, it was one of the best experiences ever. No matter where we went, didn't, no matter who, which country or whatever uh, you were coming from, uh, that was in Australia, Sydney, Australia, wonderful country, beautiful city. Uh, everybody was like, I don't know, we were like superstars there. Everybody wanted to take pictures with us. Uh, whatever we wanted to go, we just had every entrance. They were like, yes, come in, show your credentials. So it was like living in a, it was like a constant party, but no party, obviously drinking, but I'm talking yeah. about a celebration. I should celebration. Say. It was yeah. a constant celebration from the moment I arrived to the moment I left, somewhat because I didn't win. <laughs> I don't even But um. It was definitely, um, something I, I still remember, is, I mean, the, 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 the spirit even at the villa, inside the villa, the Olympic Games, all the athletes, it was just like, it was almost like we are just a smoosh of people who were trying to do the greatest thing in the world. And we're just celebrating that. Yeah. So I really like that. I was super nervous, like yeah. shaking nervous. Uh, but I did enjoy my experience for sure. Awesome.
0: That's awesome. I think the the camaraderie too. You like wow. you said, those athletes um, would be cool to experience. And like, did you keep in touch with any of those people that competed with you?
1: Uh, I do some. M- well, many of them uh, we were friends on Facebook. That's yeah. that's a funny thing because um, I I tell people I have friends all the way from, you know. Mexico down to Chile, especially Hispanics that yep. we still keep in touch. Uh some are retired, some don't do the sport anymore, uh but we're still in touch. Yeah.
0: Awesome. I love that. Um cool. So Olympics. Now, yeah. next for you after that was kind of a big deal, I guess. I don't know the gap in between, but like you went on top shot.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, most people don't, you know, they, most people here know me from Top Shot, right? They know like the Top Shot, which is the tip of the iceberg. I went on there. But uh, before I, I went to Top Shot, I was going actually through, I was going through one of the most difficult times in my life uh, where I got, I was, I was, um, lost my job. I had a lot of debt. My ex husband literally, thought I was a woman with no motivation, uh, and he went his way, then divorce, I mean, you name it, I was like lost in the world. Uh, Then I found a part-time job, I was starting to Started my career as a farm as instructor, but I was very new. And then my brother sent me a link about from top for Top chart, to apply for Top shot mm-hmm. And you know, us you and many people, I was a fan. I was I had watched season one, season two, and I was like, I don't do this. Like, who, why they would pick me, right? Mm-hmm. But then, like life goes. One day, I was on and fa- social media, Facebook, I think, and uh, the the advertisement popped up. And I said, okay, let me check. So I saw that I had to send an email, send the email. And then long story short, they selected me. And it didn't hit me that I was on top shot to tell the truth
0: Yeah.
1: until we are in the house. I'm wearing my jersey and we're talking and I'm seeing everybody with their jerseys and all the cameras here, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm, a, I'm a, I am on the other side of the TV. <laughs> That I kid you know, that was the first thought I, I had in my head. Like I am on the other side. Like uh like a week ago mm-hmm. I was the expectator. Now I'm here. So that was some also something very um very interesting. But I had friends, shooting friends, who kinda discouraged me to apply for Top Shot during that time. Yes. And no for the not for the bad reasons. I actually think they had the best yeah, I know it's not so but I thought I think I do believe they had best and I know they had the best um intentions. Because they up until season three, well until my season, most women were eliminated in the first two and third episodes. They never passed third episode. And so they were saying, Gabby, you're starting as a pharmacy instructor. If you get kicked out, people may think that you're not good shooter. You're going to bring your, you're, your, you know, you're starting to starts, rebuild. Yeah. Right. Because I was kind of rebuilding my my life. But I, and I, I thought about it. I'm not, I'm going to keep, I'm not, I'm not going to say no, I thought about it, but I was in such a dark spot in my life that I thought, you know what? I have absolutely nothing to lose that. Even if it is, Going there and get eliminated on, in, on the first episode, I could say, I did it. <laughs> yep. yep. 100%. Right. Yeah. Right. And and I, I I do believe life is all about experiences. Yep. Yeah. You can think about success as money as this, but what are the experiences that, that you get from it? So, uh and that's what that's what I said. I'm just gonna go and do it.
0: How much did you love or hate being on TV? <laughs> I actually, you know, it's
1: funny because at first I, I liked it. Okay. Being like filming and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Um, it was annoying. A lot of things, you know, having the cameras all the time. Like if I'm talking with, you know, with Chi, he was a very nice friend and he was there, we talked a lot. Uh, we kind of connected in, in, a, in a very nice way. And as soon as we started talking, shoot, the camera would appear. I <laughs> <laughs> was <we're> like, okay. <laughs> um, so that was the annoying part. Another thing was that we had the uh, mic. So we had it on like a belly band. Yep. And we had a mic there and stuff to the hold the, the whatever, the equipment. Yep. And sometimes they say, you cannot take your mic, whatever. I'm like, okay, I'm going to the bathroom. bathroom.
0: So. yep Yep. (laughs) it's a different Uh, world being on a film set like I've been through that I don't think I enjoy tv at all because it wasn't it didn't come off the way that it happened right like that's I'm sure similar experiences um so for me like authenticity was kind of gone
1: well I hear you know obviously you know there was a lot of things of okay stop cut you know or or props fail. We have to fix it. Uh, Cody, <laughs> one inch to the right. Cody, one inch to the right. We're in the sun like this. Okay, come on. Uh, I mean, it was a huge production. I can tell you there were probably 60, 70 people oh, yeah. at a time on set. Um, but I did, I did have a good time. Actually, I learned a lot. I learned a lot how produce a lot of things you know b-roll and and all the stuff so i also saw as a learning experience um but i really liked it The, the interesting thing which i think i did it on purpose so if you see if you go to top shot the i don't know i don't know i don't know if it's still on but if you see the um facebook page of top shot and you see our season and the contestants all the contestants on season four the first pictures that they released what they call the the hero pictures well this is another story but uh everybody has guns but me so you know me being venezuelan so fluffy and stuff when we were when we're doing the first uh the first day of the show it was just the you know intros pictures before we even got to the meat of things right And so they said, okay, tomorrow we're going to do the video and filming. So guess what? What did I do? Earrings, (laughs) wedge, girly shirt, pretty it out. And when I get there, everybody's tactical, tactical, the tactical fans. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, these people are thinking that I don't know how to do this thing. I just came here to your show (laughs) up. And so the funniest thing is that when we go to the hero shot, it's in the middle of nowhere. We yeah. gravel and I'm just walking with my wedge, like, do not fold. <laughs> and, so, and so when they release the pictures, everybody looks so cool and tactical, and so serious. And I'm like, with my, my nice outfit, mm-hmm. you can imagine the comments i got. I'm sure she going to be the first one. I think they did it on purpose. Like, like that, I guess the underdog, I don't know.
0: Yeah. But
1: that was my first experience of having like, I would say hate, yeah. you know, comments. Yeah. And I was very thankful that my parents were with me and they were like, you know what you did? Just relax. Wait until everything unfolds. Uh, but that's when I the thickness in my skin began yeah, to develop.
0: <laughs> yes. I like I like the way you say that, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I can't imagine yeah, not not I don't know, looking the part, I guess, or just like feeling so uncomfortable. You're like, Nobody prepared me for this. <laughs> like, could have sent an email, where's some tough shoes? Like, what are we doing? Right.
1: Really? I, I they sent pictures and obviously a full makeup yeah. girly. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just could imagine that everyone's faces like, Oh, here we go, yep. you know, the the, the the girl that has to be here but doesn't know how to shoot or something that uh-huh. uh it was so funny.
0: <laughs> you proved them wrong. You proved them wrong. Now <laughs> You're a pro level shooter. So, <laughs> uh, top, you know, top shot, I think, helped put a lot of people on the map. Like, this was before right. social media suppressed people online. You know, people go right. and that the, the follower growth. I mean, just went through the roof. And I, I'm right. envious of that experience because I think that's really cool. I, again, hate television, but I think there is value, especially in the gun community. We'll never have a TV show like that on major Mm-mm. cable ever again. Right. Not happening. So that was a cool experience, Um, but then you—I mean, I know you've shot IDPA, USPSA. I'm sure Steel Challenge too. What other like shooting competitions have you gotten into?
1: Well, now PRS. Oh God, is that fun? (laughs) I—I really like it. Um, It it was—I did my first match of three weeks ago. I got—I put my primary arms optic. I said PLX five. I think that's the name of the scope. I really like it, but you know, new BL thing. Remember, pistol shooter, no rifle shooter, right? I went out, zeroed my rifle. You know, you took the turret, fixed it, my zero, put it back on. Well, I guess, what didn't I do? I didn't lock in the turret correctly. I mean, tight enough. So when I went to the match and I started, you know, dialing in for the next stage, and then my turn went like, loose. I'm like, and then click, 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 click. And I'm like, (laughs) How many click, 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 clicks was that? (laughs) And then, well, long story short, we couldn't zero the rifle because it was not. They removed the 100-yard zero, so I couldn't do anything. The closest target was like 8-inch, 340-yard something. We couldn't get it in. I had no idea. And I was about to go. I was like, that's it? And, and, you know, like, like all I needed was my little violin. <laughs> because <laughs> my husband had come with my little one and I said and my little one came to see watch me. <laughs> God, and then and then the squ- the hour I spent so much time trying trying to see my rifle that um the people in my squad keep on moving. They had to yeah. keep on moving, right?
0: Yeah. So the
1: squad behind us, there was one guy who said um his name is Matt, I think. Um and very nice. I mean super awesome spot. They he said, You know what? I have a rifle in, in the car that needs to be shot. Do you want to shoot the rifle? I'm like, like really? Like oh. really? And he gave me his rifle and it was a, tw- I mean, beautiful rifle. Yeah. Wonderful rifle. But twenty seven pound rifle.
0: Yep. i yeah, mean, welcome to Bureau. I was
1: yeah. I was like, yep. What? So, yep. um I was but I didn't, obviously I, I had three stages, two that couldn't even shoot, yeah. one stage that was zero because I had no, my rifle had lost a zero, whatever, or I lost a zero, no, yeah. my, I lost yeah. a zero. Um, but I was very thankful for him to let me shoot the rifle because I didn't leave the match defeated. That even though I was shooting with someone else's rifle, learning on the go learning the scope, the reticle, the rifle itself. I was able to shoot whatever I aimed. So I was like, okay, I can do this.
0: So... What about the ammunition, though? Like, what caliber? And, like, did you have to use his ammo, too?
1: Yeah, he let Aww. me use ammo, too. Well, I think he, he, made, he made his calculation. He probably thought, she's tiny. She probably cannot move the rifle that much. Or she may not shoot that much. <laughs> Here. Here's Samo for you. Sure. <laughs> no, um,
0: I okay. PRS has been a whole different world. I actually have a PRS match coming up in a couple of weeks. And yeah, I'm shooting like a 30 pound rifle and I'm twice your size, probably. And I still am struggling to move this gun, yeah. it's too long. You got the suppressor on the end of it, too. And like I've already hit it on a ceiling, like moving from one position to right. the other <laughs> because it's the whole length of the building. Right. And I'm like, dude. And then afterwards, I look at my arm like from the bolt and from like literally just having to travel from one stage to the next like mm-hmm. my whole arm is covered in bruises and I'm like this right. guy beat me up and looks like and for yeah. you to do that Gabby that's impossible yeah
1: no they they were very nice he yeah he let me the arm or the rifle I mean awesome. you can and that's the things that I I really love about the shooting community Agreed. uh okay. even the PR I mean these people are you know, I've never shot that before, I least in Virginia. Yep. <laughs> um, I've never known people known in Virginia. Well, I know some people who do it, but I was there. I didn't know anybody yeah. personally. Yeah. And they were so open. Like, he, uh, Matt, just right there, here's my rifle. Here's my ammo. Use everything you need. Like, oh. he gave me 100 rounds. Like, boom. Um, then we have the other guys telling me, no, aim here, aim there. Um, very open to help. So, awesome I really loved it and I I do have uh that rifle was a six point I think I'm not sure, sure. I think it was a six five Grendel okay uh I was shooting a uh, my rifle is six five Creedmoor yeah five Creedmoor. do you factory
0: ammo or do you reload
1: uh w- we reload okay. right now I still have some reloads that My husband bought a long time ago but then we realized that when I chronoed that the standard deviation was like 60, uh, feet per second. That was too wide. So, uh, yeah. So what we're going to do is, uh, we're going to start now. I have that brass start doing my own load and, and use that for practice, I guess, and having the other one for, for, for matches and stuff like that. But I'm, but I love it.
0: Have you considered doing the the pro-am, the gap grind match next year in PRS? Have you heard about that? No. Okay, I'm gonna have to show you about this offline. But it's a where you as you'd be an amateur and you'd be Mm -hmm. pro with a professional. So I'm in October this fall, but maybe for next Uh year, you, you basically go and you get to learn. So you have a professional shooter Ah. that shoots every stage first, they have a different harder like course of fire. Okay, then they coach you completely on the clock. So hold left wind, hold left edge, Move. Right. Ahead, hold higher. Like here's the bag, here's the gear. So I'm paired right. up right now with a pro that's teaching me all the things he's helping me with the gear setup. Like I'm using his right. back rifle, but it's something where it's like, I'm learning right. from a professional. And, and I, you know, I know we have like pro-am matches for pistol and for like three gun and stuff, but to truly put on like a pure S pro-am like that, where you're able to coach and mentor, like it's just, mm-hmm. It makes a lot more fun and a lot more easy to kind of get into because I don't expect to do well. I would just right. like, hit a target would be great. Right. You <laughs> <laughs> should look into that. Okay.
1: Well, you send me the link. I will. I will. And 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 I'll like to look at it for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I'm excited for you to get into to PRS and learn stuff because I think that I think you and I are in similar in like learning is that we just want to try it all, shoot it all, learn all as much as I we do. can. Yeah,
1: I, I, I love I think um, learning something new is it, it, it stimulates your brain in so many different ways. Um, that's why you see me even that um just had surgery. I still go shoot because I know my brain is functioning in a different way, at least shooting wise than it used to when I could sh- run and shoot. Right. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I, I um you know, I'm a, my husband is active duty. He's in the Army, and he just accepted a position that requires a lot of things. So my travel, uh, it's going to be – it's challenging. It's going to be probably reduced tremendously. So we'll see. We'll see what what things I can travel. But definitely if it's in the uh, Virginia area, you know, metropolitan area.
0: always in Tennessee. It's one major match a year. But – you know, okay. like it's something where you're paired up the whole year or you can work with them the whole year, you could do dry fire, okay. right? But oh, like, nice. But the one match, I mean, this whole match is going to have like half professionals, half amateurs, and they're separated by prize table, but they're also separated by scoring and different course of fire. So it's really fun okay. for the amateurs like me to just at least be in the running for some, yeah. some you know? <laughs> so, um. <laughs> you glossed over it so i want to go back to that is people do and don't know but you had surgery gosh on your knee you are yeah. now recovering from knee surgery and still going to carry optics nationals because you are yeah. stubborn but also you know you can do it <laughs> <laughs> so what does that rehab look like for you like how how much longer do you have to to, to really get that back up and running
1: it's it's a very long process Okay um I recovered very quickly I mean from week 2 2 weeks after surgery I was walking without my brace at home yeah. until I got my go to be on the street without a brace a week at week after the 3rd week so I've been ahead of the game big time and it was like a huge improvement and then it's like a plateau which is a frustrating portion where every millimeter in your range of motion and all that stuff um but you know, I, I like what you say, stubborn, because many people, when, when I show my progress, everybody's I, I can see them um, literally, I can imagine them like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> don't go to the gym and injure yourself. But um, I don't, I don't, I, I have different way of thinking, per se. I, you know, most people think on what could go wrong, I think on the possibilities. What can I do and go and do right? Okay, so um, I I have I found out that even this match, the few matches I have had, very few, even area four, that holding your adrenaline is a lot harder than just let go and finish at the stage. Like I have a bunch of mics, but I have fun. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's harder to hold your adrenaline and control everything. Um, And I have learned through life, I mean, minded, I may look the way I look, but I I have my mileage. (laughs) I have learned through life that um, the things, the very things that we struggle with, the very things that we fear, the things that uh, are not the norm, are The things that we need to tackle and perfect, for instance, it's not almost like human behavior going into a battle knowing that you're gonna lose,
0: yeah, and
1: be and be happy and and do your best, even though it is almost written that you're not gonna do that good, yep. okay. That is, is it, 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 it tackles your ego, it tackles you emo- emotionally. Uh, it's so many things seeing how people. You see them striding, like in my case, right? I see everybody running the stage and all that stuff. And you know that you cannot go at their part. Their part. Like, I cannot do that right now. And to me, those are what I call my mental gym. It's my mental gym, okay? Mm-hmm. We are used to often training our physical body, you know, when you go to the gym to reinforce your biceps. But what do we do to strengthening? our mindset, our brain. Uh, and so basically what I'm doing is this, you know, I know I'm not, a, I'm not literally not allowed that. Like the doctor told me you are in a very vulnerable position because you feel so good mm-hmm. that you, you can re-injure. Like right now you, I, I was about to post a video where you can see me hopping and doing stuff and you say, man, you can actually run. I'm like, in a controlled environment, yeah. I, can do this, I can do this exercise. In a, in a quick, sharp movement, it, it's, it's anyone's game. You right. know what I mean? I can keep my knee on control. I can lose it all. So my doctor said, no, don't do it. So um, this, to me, this process going to Area 4, going to national, is anything, is part of my recovery. I think we pay too much attention on the recovery on the piece of our body, like my recovery on my knee or my recovery on my calf. But what is that mental recovery that you can, what can you do to not only recover mentally, get strong mentally, but battle those emotions, battle those thoughts. And that's what makes you stronger.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know just just you think about it oh no i'm not going to do it because a because b especially something that you know that you're good at
0: right you know what i mean right.
1: something because like you said when we did p r s you're like ah i'm nothing right. here i have nothing to expect it's easy but, but it's something that
0: you're good at you've shot you yeah, you want it you worked hard for it and now it's like Ugh.
1: And, and 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 it has been it has been a a battle especially i'm going to tell you why when last year's nationals you know, I, that was my last year of college. I graduated final class. that was in March. Graduated in May, but my final class was in March. And after national class year, I was like doing matches, going back to the hotel and studying, yes. writing papers. Yeah, I, I've done that for four years. You know right. who knows about my life as a shooter and student? Athena Lee. I used to go when I lived in here in Texas, we used to go together to matches. Mm-hmm. And I will wake up at four a.m. in the morning. We'll stay in the same hotel, and I will be doing papers because we had to be at the at the at the range at seven. Yeah. So I had to write my paper, da da da, and all that stuff. So uh, when I finished last year nationals, I was like, okay, this is this is great in the sense that you know having training, but with everything in life. But then I thought, then March, when March comes, done with school. Done with everything, I'm gonna go you know down, and this is gonna be a game, you know, And then a month later, I torn my ACL completely had and it's almost like my, that dream shattered like, "Oh no. And then comes March surgery, and I knew I was not gonna come here. So imagine that thought of my goal was coming this year Nationals, being like that strong, athlete, that strong um, competitor. And I'm completely the
0: opposite. Yep. Yep.
1: And 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 that struggle, that mental struggle, that thing of saying, no matter what, I'm still going to go and battle with those emotions. I think that is what makes you a stronger, not athlete, because athlete is something we do in this, a small portion of my life, but it makes you a strong person. Yeah. And so here I am two days from now. <laughs> Even I will I, will, I, I will keep telling the arrows, watch for my lining speed. <laughs> <laughs> you should just go, wear the flash. <laughs> 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 oh
0: my goodness. You're going to have a blast though. And I think that, you know, I think a lot of this too, I don't know if you agree with this, but when we push through some of these hardships too and keep going, we're setting an example for the younger generation or younger women, or just anyone who wishes they could accomplish what we have they have the capability and the potential to do so, but they don't have that mindset to push through. So when they see us doing these things, right, I think it makes it a little bit, not easier, but it does set an example for people to know that it's possible.
1: It is. It is. And I always tell people, I mean, sometimes they think, you know, because I'm a Olympian and and, and I'm a very strong minded person, but it doesn't mean that I don't have I don't have my weaknesses. Yeah. That I don't have my moments where I doubt myself. I go to these matches and, and sometimes I'm like oh, what am I doing here? You know what I mean? But at the same time it's 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 not that the constant mental battles don't exist. It's just you through this process you learn. You learn how to say, Yeah that's fine, but I'm here and I keep on going. And so like what you're saying, I think it's important to also know that yes, we set an example, but, but also recognizing that we're still humans, yeah. that we, we, we also have our fears, we also have our concerns. Um, it's just how we learn to manage them through these practices. To me, this is a practice. To me, this is a go, get-go. This is, to me, this is a, a, a moment where I'm building you know, building my, at uh, my toolbox.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: You know what I mean?
0: Um, you know, we talked about offline a little bit about mindset too, and you already said like you're a strong minded person, but like, do you practice? I get that the, the practice is going to nationals, even though like you're not being able to, you know, do something that you want to do to the full capacity, but mm-hmm. the other mindset stuff, like, are you reading books or like how, how else do you kind of work on that at home?
1: Yes. Yeah. So meditation is one. Uh, I think meditation is very important. Uh, believe it or not, before matches and, and in general I'll try to do it. Sometimes I don't do it every day, but I try to do it most of the time to do meditation, remind myself who I am. Uh, that I am human, that I make mistakes, uh, but at the same thing at the same time I am capable. Uh, there, there's so much to like I always tell myself I cannot run, but I can shoot. You know what I mean? Uh so there's always a but I can do this. Um, uh, I, uh, reading is very important. My my bachelor's was in psychology, so <laughs> that has helped a lot. So I read a lot of uh, mental um, books, not only in athletes' level. I read books, I've read books about golf, golf as a sport, and the psych- psychology in golf are very good. Um, psychology in different type of sports. It, it's always important to see how we are so relatable to other sports even though we're just shooting Um, but I like I tell people reading understanding knowing is not enough you must apply right And so what I do, it has to be a daily date. Remember that when I say my gym, like my mental gym, your mental gym is every day. Your mental gym is you hit yourself with something. It was something stupid. And instead of saying, oh, I'm dumb, I'm stupid, I'm this. No. Uh, Well, there's a reason. And this is what I do it. That's your mental gym. Everything that you say to yourself, everything that communication goes, that self-thought, your brain takes it as serious. You say you're dumb, you say you're stupid, and you must be one of those. And uh, Somebody caught you up on the road, and you're like, ah, no, control that emotion, as hard as it is. The harder harder it is to control an emotion, and you do it, then you have to remember, okay, I am at the my mental gym. I am working on my mental strength. So yes, reading is important, but I would say there's a lot more that you can do in the daily, daily things. Oh yeah, um, that challenge your mind, your emotions, your core, uh, how you respond to people, um, and that has more value than anything.
0: Yeah, I think people forget that people are people they're going through their own things um and like they or if they're at their work like I see people blow up at people all the time at like UPS like simple stuff right where it's like mm-hmm. they're just trying to do their job so like for me you know I kind of laugh apologize ahead of time I'm like this is not your problem yeah. but I have this problem like you know and- It's like, what if you're on the other end? So I think if people just realize, like, they're just trying to get through their day, they also have, you know, things on their mind, and this is their job, they're trying to help you, like, let's not make it any little harder. Right, right. Uh, The world would be a better place.
1: (laughs) Right, it would be. It would be, I think it would be if we understand that our world, we, okay, it would be better if we understand that what we see and perceive, we see and perceive through our own lens, Yep. Through our own world. Yep. You know, there are so many things that you, for instance, some, how you're added to change when you see somebody that you don't like. Right. And then you see their friends. Maybe their friends have nothing to do with that person. But just because that person is there, you may be more stiff, more right. short, more this and that. And the, the other person missed that opportunity or to know who you really are. Um, So I think it's important understanding that our world, the way we see things is not, not it, it's not all, it's not the whole picture.
0: Not just that, but then we see it through our own lens. But then when you think about people on social media, right, it's like you also see what they want you to see. They, you see it through their lens of how they wish their life was. So I'm sure you yeah. get messages and stuff all the time, too, where it's like, or or even comments where people are like, oh, you're lucky you get to do this. Or like, oh, your life's so easy because you get to do this all the time. It's like, you see kind of what I want to see, but you don't see any of the hardships. You don't see the work that goes right. it. Like, and we earned this, you know, where we right. got as well. So that's the other stuff that's pretty frustrating is like, we all have our own stuff. Don't think mm-hmm. that it's just one way just because that's how you see it.
1: Well, I would say, uh, what I would tell you is, um, it, it, it may be frustrated, but don't be frustrated. Yeah. Okay. I would, I, you know, sadly for that person, it's, it's a sure minded person. You see what I mean? And, and that's one of the things I've learned through going through years and years being on, up in the social media, is that generally speaking, those people who come with those kind of thoughts, that kind of mentality, they are very short-minded individuals. Uh, the typical person who would say, who see a, somebody who is a lawyer or have money and say, "Oh, you are rich and because you do this," but you think, "Okay, how many hours yep. in the waiting for how many years that person worked yep. to get to where they are, and so they to that a lot point." More.
0: A lot more in themselves, like in the education side of stuff. I mean, it's like I, I, mean, right. I, I know because I, I have a master's degree. I went through a ton of schooling to get there. I, I've been working for ten years to get this tiny little tip of the iceberg, like you kind of mentioned before, right? Like yeah. it's, just, it, it's interesting to me, but people are people. Um, but I think I just want right. that kind of tone. Is that there's a lot that goes. Beyond what we've been doing, you already mentioned it. you're up at 4 a.m. just to do classes to still shoot a match because you love shooting and you want to do that. Right. You'll have a career, profession, education. There's a lot that you've got to right. do as well. Yeah,
1: for sure. And family, a little one. A little bit. Yeah, just, you know, a family, <laughs>
0: the husband, no big deal. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. Um, Which brings me to this, because I'm excited that I have this. Uh, I think you earned this cover. So for people watching um, or listening, Gabby was on America's First Freedom. So she's got her jersey on, a rifle on. Um, This is incredible because she does talk a lot about Venezuela and 2A rights and stuff. But Gabby, what does this mean to be on the cover of a magazine?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, if you look, if if I see myself before I came here to the United States when I was, 21 years old and thinking that I was moving to the greatest country in the world. And I said that with the, you know, the truth and with my heart, because at that point I had already traveled about 15 countries or so. So I have traveled quite a bit, no baby, not as much as the whole world, but quite a bit to know that I was moving to the greatest country in the world, just seeking to be free and to do what I wanted to do. And being here where I am, it shatters all the ideas that this country is either racist or this country is just BS. Uh, Here in the United States, it's a country where you can achieve, you can do whatever you want with hard work, with determination, with dreams. Let me tell you something. When I became, when I decided to be a, when I was in the hard moment in my life before topture, even before I applied to Top shirt. Uh like I told you I had a part time and then I was starting to become an in instructor. I always asked the question, what do you want? Like what do I want? What do I want? And when I bec- when I said okay, I don't because my whole life I was just a athlete, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Even
1: to that point. I I said to myself, I don't know to do like work wise many things. But I know how to shoot I went to the Olympics I think I can teach one or two things and then I said yeah and then I said to myself I want to be known as one of the best instructors in the country and I can tell you this I didn't know how that was going to happen yep. I didn't know if that was going to happen but I had that in my heart and seeing that magazine it's just a reflection to me, it's just a reflection of that truth. The truth that this is a country of possibilities. Yeah. You know, um, and 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 minded. Up to uh, right now, you can un- awfully You can understand me. and I'm being eloquent. But four years ago, before I started college, you probably I couldn't be able to talk as fluent as I'm talking right now. And and so it's just a testament of what this the possibilities that they are in this country and I'm so thankful for it so if anything that's just a reflection of that truth um and so when I hear and, and I have to say that I'm in a sense blessed that I didn't grow up with those ideas limiting ideas oh you're a minority then you are I didn't grow up with that you know so I grew up Like any other person, I can do whatever I want if I work, if I do A, if I do B, if I dedicate, if I have dedication and that comes to here and I'm here. So, yeah, that's amazing. And that's basically what I talk about in the magazine, even though I talk about the second amendment, but I also talk about the, how easy it is for people to take for granted their freedom in ways that they most people almost like it doesn't touch me let's say like in texas like i said before oh we're in texas doesn't bother us but at the end yeah how god control krypton because that's how it does and i have i have a, a crazy theory okay you can call it <laughs> many things but i do believe and i this is probably the third time i said in a podcast and i'm gonna keep repeating it <laughs> i know because you know it, it, again. You know, it's one of those things that now they they come (laughs) true. Okay, so this is my theory. My theory is that gun control advocates are, even though they keep pushing at the federal level, they're pushing more at the state level, okay? They know that the federal level is very little they can do, but they can do more on cities. They can do more on states. And we see that a lot more like Colorado, Washington State, michigan and so on and so on and so forth so why is that relevant because you may say oh but i live in texas no big deal i live in florida no big deal everything is good i i'm like why is that irrelevant it's because friends the second amendment like any other amendment in the constitution is not a hundred percent deal. It can be changed. It can be amended. It can be something can come up. Let's say they don't touch it, but they can put something on it, something extra, another amendment. They can grant like the governor uh, from California. What is his name again? Gibson? Yeah, him. <laughs>
0: I don't remember. I'm bad with that.
1: Right. He he he, he was proposing. So why is so important to do the battles in each state? Because they need the votes. Yeah. And the more you eradicate those gun owners or those freedom-loving people to other states, you may say, okay, they move to Texas, they move to Florida, but then you're going to create this. This is the problem. You're going to create societies in many, many states where they, don't, they won't know, young people don't know what is the Second Amendment. They won't know what is the benefit of it. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to vote against it. And so you have to look as a citizen of this country. Don't look at it as just a citizen of Texas, a citizen of Florida. You have to look the long term. Will, if we go this path, will the Second Amendment survive in 10, 20 years, 25 yeah. years? Remember, these people are patient. They are patient. Socialists are patient. They just little by little, they're just creeping in. So there it is. Yeah, you you make of it whatever you want to. But that's my thought, my humble opinion.
0: Yeah. And I mean, there are people like, I feel like I'm very fortunate in that I think about like moving and I can move anywhere I would want to and I get to choose like where I would want to go because I work for myself. And I'm able to be flexible with not having family or what have you right. But there are people that have to live in those Michigan, California, those states because they have family, they have a job and a career that they, they can't afford to leave and move, right. So We are leaving people behind too that don't have the means to escape some of the Mm -hmm. stuff that's happening, and that's where we need people to kind of stay and speak up. And you know, now we've even seen the the effect too. I'm sure, Gabby, where it's they're moving to these other states with the same beliefs, and then destroying that city and that state, and it's it's becoming worse too across the board. So there's, I agree, a a lot of going wrongs ish in the. It's crazy. I, I don't know how to fix that for sure, but um, it's bad to watch
1: yeah it is it is but i just think that people should be aware of those things yeah you know should be aware of that in in finding ways that we can help those states those who are there who have organization how we can how can we support them uh you know whether it's illinois whether you know support those states as much as we can
0: yeah I mean, even like when I went to, up to Michigan, like EOTech just bought new headquarters not long ago, they have this whole infrastructure, they employ a ton of people, they can't afford to shut down and move, because that state's not supportive of gun rolls, right? So it's, right. it's very hard for infrastructure and for companies, even though they would love to support, you know, states doing right work, They they can't. So There's a lot that people think about where they're just like, oh, screw those people or those states or those businesses. It's like they can't leave. They also employ a lot of people.
1: Right. Hard to watch. It is. It is. But, you know, it is. I think this is the last ending country (laughs) for, for what we believe, for truly, for freedom, for gun rights, for everything. 100%. 100%. And I, I could keep on going, but we wouldn't end. <laughs> I like this,
0: though. <laughs> I like this a lot. Um, so for you, too, I mean, like, kind of wrapping it up here on a, on a bow. Um, what is, like, the future for, for you look like uh, beyond, I would say, like, coming off of the, the surgery and recovering? You know, what are some goals that you have, whether it's a year, five years, or ten years from now? What does that look like? Well, there's many things in the bucket.
1: Like I said earlier, my husband just... Uh,
0: or was accepted in a new
1: position and that changes a lot of things It's a lot of work on his hand, which means that you know as a military spouse a lot of sacrifices on my end too so I'm like in, in this shaking moment that what can I do uh but I always make it happen <laughs> so uh one of my goals is like I have um creating a company. I have the name and everything, which I'm not going to say until it's all built up. Uh, Part of my goals with that is creating content in English and Spanish. I want it to be full English and Spanish. There's no real uh, Spanish speaking content out there, reliable content that could bring this community in. Uh, But also obviously English because That's here's where we're at. Um, And I also want to uh, do um, training for military spouses. I live on on a military base, so in Virginia. So that's the big goal I have. Uh, Keep training. Hopefully it takes a good four months to start learning to run properly, I guess. I guess that's how it's called. I don't know. Uh, But it takes about a year. That's my understanding. Mm. The full recovery from my knee, uh, so I do expect that for next year I'll be ready to go for nationals and ready to you know keep on going what I'm doing. Uh, but I'm still in that process because I just got the news like <laughs> this week that my husband finally got the the position in that literally shakes a lot of my pieces, you know. But I, I think that. You know, I think of it as the greater purpose yeah. Uh, and what we do as a, as a couple and him as serving the country. So, yeah. So, I, hopefully, I would have a better answer
0: soon. Yeah. you don't know. <laughs> and, I mean, you can still have yeah. your goals, but just don't know where yeah. they're going to take, take you. Or right, right. That.
1: Well, you know, representing that the company support me so greatly, like welfare Arms, Primary Arms. Uh, they have been great supporters even through all this ordeal. Uh, so I'm very thankful. Uh, I always say, "Oh my God!" They may say, "That's it, we cannot take it anymore," and I'll be still thankful forever. <laughs> for sure. But they, but they have been wonderful for sure. They they know that I represent them with honor and whatever I go, um, I they know I put my heart and my soul and everything I do. So we'll see.
0: Percent, hundred percent, great companies, and I'm I've been a Walther girl for a long time. Love their firearms and love working with Chris up there too. So that's a great yes, place to be in for sure. Awesome. Well, and Gabby, how can people follow you on social media? What are your handles?
1: Yes. So you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter is Gabby Franco TS4, which is Top Shot 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, yeah, Facebook, I also have my page on Facebook, which is Gabby Franco Top Shot. Not surprising. <laughs> uh, on my website, GabbyFranco.com.
0: Awesome. Gabby, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom um, and energy and passion. I can't tell you enough how excited I am for this episode to come out. <laughs> a strong female leader because I look up to you too. So thank you for all that you do.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Love having been here with you on the show.
0: Same, same. Awesome. Well, listeners, stay tuned next week for an all new episode. Go follow Gabby. If you have any questions too on any of the gear, the guns, you know, what matches she's got coming up, she will reply, which is amazing <laughs> um, and help you out. So thank you for that as well. Thanks for listening to the Redicle up podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Redicle up or three gun Kenzie.